Welcome to the DaVinci Hour podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maxwell Cooper, and in this podcast series, I interview physicians, medical innovators, and entrepreneurs making an impact on healthcare. This podcast is produced by DaVinci Academy, a multimedia medical education company that provides podcasts, video courses, and digital textbooks. You can see more on our website, www.dbiacademy.com and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash DaVinci Academy Med. This podcast is sponsored by Doc2Doc, the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors. Do you have some big expenses in the near future? Maybe you're moving, applying to residency or fellowship, fixing up your car or home, or starting a new practice. Doc2Doc believes that traditional lenders overestimate the risk of lending money to doctors, residents, and medical students, focusing too much on the challenges of their financial past and giving them insufficient credit for the promise of their financial future. Check out Dr. Doc's personal loan options at drdoclending.com slash DaVinci. Hey everybody, welcome back to the DaVinci Hour podcast. I'm honored this week to be joined by Grenville Thine, uh, the CEO of a virtual reality company called Neuroflex. So Grenville, welcome to the DaVinci Hour. Really happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Dr. Cooper. Of course, of course. So maybe give us a little bit of background kind of before Neuroflex. What what did you do in your your previous previous life, I guess? And, and how did that lead up to what you're doing now? Well, really, the story starts with mum and dad. You know, dad's a, a surgeon, mum's a nurse, and dad trained at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. When he came back to Australia, I was 13. So I did a lot of my sort of formative years in America. And dad was very entrepreneurial in his thinking. And he started to get involved in buying and selling hospitals as well as building day surgery clinics, which were quite unique back then. That then took us into the where we are today, where uh, three of my brothers, including myself, work in the family business. Uh, I look after the technology piece of the business. And when we decided to go down electronic health records, one area we were very focused on was athlete electronic health records. And we realized that an area that wasn't being addressed at the time was brain health. So that took us then to look at other brain health technology companies. And we ended up in Canada. And that's how we ended up finding Neuroflex. Very cool. Very cool. Um, that's a cool kind of uh, roadway to where, where you are now. And I uh, really want to get into the technology. I guess Maybe tell me, you were talking a little bit about before we started recording about how kind of this is was a joining of two families, if you will. Maybe tell us a little bit about like the other side of how the science was developed and then where you, where you and your, your brothers came in on this one. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting when you work in a family environment, you understand what happens at the dinner table or the breakfast table around discussions and ideas come about. So that's how we originally got into the space. Uh, when my brother was in Canada and he was introduced to the Galliana family, uh, it was the same concept. Um, Professor Mimi Galliana, 30 years at McGill University Biomedical Engineering Department. Her husband uh, was a mathematics genius. They had built a product that you take all the clinical work at the moment that's been done around vestibular, ocular, motor reflexes and screening, and they put it into a virtual reality world. And that was developed around the kitchen table, etc. So we were attracted to that. Uh, we, we we get it. We understand it. We bring different skill sets to the table and they bring the skill set. So they're very involved in the technology piece. So our technology team sits in Canada and our scientific team sits in Canada. However, we do have some scientists here on the ground in Australia. 
marketing and sales and branding is globally done out of the Australian team. So having two geographic regions, two families work together, um, yes, of course, there are going to be issues, but we work through them because we trust each other as families. And uh, this is where we've got to today. That's amazing. So it's it's really kind of the two co- very complementary skill sets The like you said, the science and, and technology aspect. And then, like you said, the more the business ops and and marketing and branding. That's that's pretty cool. It sounds like that's worked very synergistically. Yeah, well, you know, certainly my father being a doctor, mum being a nurse, they thought at least one of the kids would go into medicine. Uh, we all ended up doing commerce degrees, law degrees, business marketing degrees. So um, we saw how hard dad used to work, but then that's allowed us to work with mum and dad and build a company behind the scenes around those business aspects. And I think what what's really fascinating about global healthcare at the moment, the meeting of you know the intelligence, the doctors, the professors with the business side, there's a lot more happening in business these days. So we found that very useful when we engaged with the Galliana family on Neuroflex. Very cool. I just want to ask for a minute. So your your father essentially was a was a physician entrepreneur. That's that's become kind of a newer thing these days. But he was in a way kind of ahead of his time. That sounds pretty cool. He was, and you know, it it, it sort of allowed my brothers and I to see it secondhand. Uh, my father, when he came back, um, he was an oncologist, a surgical oncologist. He built. A, um, a an early diagnostic clinic in in Australia, which was the first of its kind. Um, he produced a bowel cancer test kit, oh, wow. um, which is now every over fifty year old in Australia gets in the mail from the Australian government. Um, so he was, and I think I put it down to his time in America, where he was able to see how progressive healthcare was getting, especially being at the Mayo. Um, then bringing back that entrepreneurial spirit, it sort of you know, fed off the sons as well. And so the collaboration on that piece uh, really allowed us to, you know, we ended up being the third largest for-profit hospital owner in Australia and still are um, behind Ramsey and HealthScope. Um, so that, that and my other brother runs that business. So these are sort of things that allow us to think more laterally as we we come into partnerships like we have with the Galliana family. That's all really, really cool. Um, so I, I guess I want to get into... With what with Neuroflex, like what what stage was it at when you and your family got involved in it, and then where have you guys taken it to today? So, you know, this is another fascinating thing about working in this industry is um, changing the mindset around how you look at concussion, particularly, requires a lot of stakeholders to be taken on the journey, whether it be professors, whether it be doctors, whether it be universities, whether it be peer reviewed journals. So. The product had not been peer-reviewed at that stage, but to get your peer-reviewed work done, you need to have trials conducted. And our first trial that we did, we kicked off about two and a half years ago, was with the World Rugby. And we've just completed that where we've seen 300 plus concussions. Uh, Once we were able to announce to the world that we're working with World Rugby, one of the contact sports around concussion, we started to see other sports come into um, the process. So we worked with FIFA on their World Cups. We were in the World Cup race in Qatar. We worked with jockeys in the British Horse Racing Association in, in the UK. Uh, we work with soccer teams in Australia and America and Canada. Um, so that took us to another level in terms of the PR and marketing side. 
But what has been really interesting about the product is that the grassroots, the kids, the, the, the person who plays sport on the weekend, that's been quite an important part of our business. So we've activated at the top, but brought the product through at the grassroots. That's really cool. I, I'm curious what, with concussions and, you know, you know, return to play and those types of things, have you, did you guys receive any kind of pushback initially from athletes or, or, you know, you know, what is this virtual reality? Like, you know, I thought this was for video games. You know, some people say, I guess like how did you, what kind of pushback or skepticism did you guys encounter and how, how were you able to overcome that? Yeah. So there were two parts to the skepticism. One was the coaches and the, the team wanting their players back on. The second was the players themselves. Um, you know, this is their livelihood in, in, in that elite level. What we're able to do is really educate them on what the product does. I mean, we're not get, we're not showing them anything new. We're just showing them in the digital data world, objective way of showing what their symptoms are. Second thing that was happening, meanwhile, was there was a lot of press, court cases, issues, people you know, suffering dementia or other neurological diseases. So that brought the attention on to concussion as a as an industry. And our product was positioned well because we'd, we'd done a lot of marketing around the education of the product. So when it got to the early adopter stage, which I think is very important, those early adopters who were physicians or neurophysiotherapists, et cetera, would explain to the greater market the benefits of the product. It's, it's not over yet. We're still at that sort of middle piece of educating and getting the product used a lot, but we're on the right trajectory and right journey for that. Um, the final piece I want to say is the players are now being a lot more engaged. They like the virtual reality part. A lot of them are gamers themselves in their off time. Um, they ga We've gamified a few of the rehab exercises. They compare scores. And they like to look at it graphically rather than being told by a clinician, I've waved my finger and this is what I see. So it, it, it's it's starting to be accepted a lot more. Very cool. Very cool. Maybe walk us through a little bit like how it works, like, you know, at a, at a global like overview, you know, essentially how, how is how do teams use it? Is it used like during the game? Is it after the game? Both. And then like you alluded to, it's also it sounds like it's used in the rehabilitation process. That's right. So. The, the, the technology is eight tests, and we do three of our tests head-free. So we engage the vestibular system with your ocular motor system, um, which is unique. This is a unique part. The other five tests are head-fixed. Uh, nine times out of ten, our clients will do what we call a healthy baseline pre-season. So we establish a benchmark to what is healthy for you. We also run our AI and machine learning over that cohort of what is considered healthy. Then we move into the realm of um, concussion management. So some of our sports, we are actually side of field or side of pitch where you will be tested. That's only a two minute test where the clinician can use the data to make an informed assessment about concussion. Then depending on the sport, again, their protocols, we then feed into the return to play process or return to work, return to ride if you're a jockey that's what's been the most interesting part because there is no science around why a sport will pick 11 days 13 days 40 days to sit out of contact and our analysis shows that at the 14 day mark 50 percent of the athletes aren't ready to go back to contact then after 14 days 
they need maybe two more weeks and then there's another 50% that are right, then there's a long tail of concussion symptoms and issues that we pick up. During that process, we then have tailored rehab exercises. So if it's your nystagmus that is off or is it your, you know, your, um, your visual pursuit, we then tailor our rehabilitation exercises to that. So when you're in the, back at the home base, and your team's out there training and you're sitting around doing nothing, he or she, we then get you on the virtual reality to some rehabilitation and performance exercises. That's really cool. I guess from the from the standpoint, have you seen, how have the team doctors, you know, because it's it's often falls on them to say, you know, in the past, especially, you know, it's kind of a, a you know, an arbitrary judgment call, you know, is the patient ready to go? Or are they not? I guess, how have the team docs uh, taken to this and what's the, been their feedback for you? As, so as, as I sort of touched on before, bringing the stakeholders, the industry along with us has been one of our biggest challenges. You have those that will adopt it immediately. You'll have those that will take a little bit longer and those that um, immediately dismiss you out of, out of hand. What we need to do is continue to talk to the Global um, Concussion Consensus Committee, which meets every four years. Last time they met in Amsterdam. That's where all the top sporting codes and doctors get together and come out with a consensus of what is the gold standard for concussion. Right now, SCAT, um, the sports concussion assessment tool, is up to series six. If they meet every four years, that's 24 years they've been refining the SCAT process. Um, we've, we've been told very clearly that in order to um, complement or use SCAT and use us, we need constant data and medical clinical data. And we're in the process of showing that. I am confident that once we prove that to the medical profession, et cetera, then the product will be much more acceptable um, globally and more ubiquitous. However, we still continue to work with our early adopter doctors and physicians who um, put up case studies, do testimonials about us. And that to us is also good reason why a lot of our other clients are picking up the product. That's very cool. Um, you know, one thing I'm wondering, especially given your your family's unique background of running hospital systems, is I'm curious, what what do you feel like are some of the bigger differences? You know, because getting a, a healthcare product, as you know, into a healthcare system can be somewhat of a challenge. You can re uh, receive a lot of skepticism. What are kind of, I guess, some of the pros and cons or maybe the differences and similarities between getting it adopted among sports teams and athletes and versus like hospitals and clinics? Yeah, so there's two parts to that. One is the level of the data that you have access to. The second is the the economics of it. Um, what's my revenue model as a clinician? What's my cost model as a hospital or whatever? On, on the data side, everybody's starting to understand that we, we present to the clinician 40 bits of data through our whole testing protocol and a 20-page neurological report with graphs and tabulars and normative ranges, et cetera. Um, behind the scenes, there's extra data they can get access to. They're starting to see that's beneficial to them. So that's one. From the hospital perspective, we're working in emergency departments as a quick triage. So we've been put up against a functional MRI with the Montreal Neurological Institute and showing that we are akin to a functional MRI now. Our vision is to when somebody presents to the emergency department and they get their bloods done, um, your heart rate, blood pressure, 
let, let's whack the Neuroflex on. Let's get a quick eight-minute scan of you know, where your brain function is at that point. Now, obviously, with the TBR and MTBI, that's that's relevant. Um, then you don't have to go and wait in a, an MRIQ or a CT scan. You get a quick and a quick report about that piece. So that's where I believe the uh, the hospital side is going to be very important. Also, it is a vestibular product. So the ear, nose and throat surgeons or the vestibular clinics um, see the benefits around dizziness and looking at the inner ear function. And that, again, is a cost-saving process and giving you the data that you need. That's really interesting. You know, another thing I'm wondering, you know, you brought up emergency rooms, you know, athletes. Have you had any, uh, has the military in, in any of these countries had any kind of interest as well? Because as, as you know, the, the soldiers often, you know, encounter head injuries and things like that. I'm curious what kind of interest or adoption you've had in that realm. Without giving too much away, we are in constant contact with both the U.S. military and the Australian and Canadian military. Um, the, the, the interesting part about the military is that a lot of concussions do happen on the sporting field. If Army play Navy or, you know, in Australia, if the, the Army play the defence of one of the other teams in rugby, then it's uh, the other second part is blast. So a lot of training they do in blast um, does call mild traumatic brain injuries. And then the third piece is a lot of investment goes into the special forces side and generally into all defence. Um, and we're all about longevity of the athlete, of the army professional, et cetera, you know, having a longer career with longitudinal data, monitoring your brain health through your career. So we're very much pitching the product as an early stage medical. But if you go on a tour or you're constantly doing medicals, then have your longitudinal record of your brain health through your career in the military. That's really interesting. I guess the, the other thing is, is that you know, what's your guys, I guess, business model since like, how, how are you, like, how do you generate revenue? How does that all work? How do you know, who are your, I guess, essentially your customers or who's paying for this? How does that all work? So we've spent a lot of time developing the appropriate revenue model. Um, and we have two bits to our revenue model. The first is that we, the hardware consists of the VR goggles tethered to a laptop. Now that'll change over time as the tethering goes away and everything's now in the in the goggles but for our purposes today um, so we offer a rental fee for the for the hardware over a two-year period and we overlay that with a SaaS model with a software as a service which then you, when you upload our software you pay us a monthly fee each country is different um, depending on things like ctp codes as an example in the us um, and if you're in South Africa where we have a business, sometimes you need to adjust your pricing model to meet the economics of the market. But for all intensive purposes, it's a SaaS model with a rental fee of the hardware on a two-year locking contract. The other product that we offer is what we call baselining as a service. If you do an eight-minute test for one machine, you can only do you know, 10 minutes by the time you sit the athlete down. So you're going to do five or six an hour. That doesn't cut it when you've got 500 students or athletes to do so we come in with 10 machines we set them up in a big room we bring people in groups of 10 uh, we have a system of how we operate um, somebody reads out the testing somebody looks at make sure everything's fine and overlooks it um, and we charge a certain fee for that uh, on a one-off basis so that's there's our two revenue models in terms of who pays 
Um, if it's a club, a club will pay. Um, in the case of uh, what's happening in Australia with a lot of sporting clubs, in schools, a school will pay, uh, put it on to the, maybe the fee of the school. Um, in the case of associations, um, they sometimes have a budget, like the British Horse Racing Authority have a budget through their injured jockey fund where they will use that money in order to look after their jockey. So it's a case-by-case basis. That's really cool. And I guess um, as far as like the diagnostic or, you know, you know, essentially telling the the athlete what, what the diagnosis is or what the state of their brain health is, is that, does the machine do that? Does that require some of the physician input? And I guess how, how does that all work in with that as well? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a very good point. And this is something we make very clear to all our clients. We are not a diagnostic tool. We're an information data gathering tool. Um, hence, hence the reason why we have a lot of physicians, doctors that work with us to explain how the test helps their diagnosis. Um, so we we haven't gone down that route of doing a brain score or a brain box score, etc. We've kept it very much. Here's the data, like a blood test. Here's your data. You make the call, but we can tell you about normative ranges where your uh, where your particular patient sits within what is norm for their cohort. Uh, we are FDA cleared with the 510K carve out. Uh, we are we will be moving to the full FDA. Um, and that does require a lot more clinical trials, a lot more data, a lot more information. Uh, so that's a sort of underway process that I don't see happening for the next 12 to 18 months. So that's where we sit today. That's really interesting. Um I guess for yeah, from the approval process, you kind of answered my next question was was going through the FDA. Um, I'm curious how in Australia and like Canada, how how has the approval process been in those countries as well? So what 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 I've quite enjoyed is working with you know the US, the Canadian, the Australian government, New Zealand government, uh, even the European government and the UK government, where they they are very open to new technology, nouveau technologies, and they've carved out. Uh, certain authorizations for that. Um, as long as you're not you know, too invasive and you are providing good quality data, and there are other people in the market doing that that we are compared to. Japan is different. Uh, you need to jump through a lot of hoops to get the product out in Japan. We've started the process. Um, so they don't have the nouveau new carve out for products. So we have been very well regarded and accepted and people see the benefit of the product and there's nothing better than people in the industry talking about the benefits they get from the product as well. Very cool. Very cool. Um, you, t- you mentioned earlier that you ha- guys have an AI component, a machine learning component. I'm curious, um, you know, how, I guess, how are you integrating? You know, that's always the, the big buzzword today. And, and I'm curious how you guys are integrating that into and where you see that kind of further going in the future. So our AI um, product is in-house at the moment. We haven't sold it and put it on the Neuroflex dashboard for the market yet because we're still going through the various iterations, testing as we get more data in. So we've done 80,000 test protocols and each one of our test protocols, as I mentioned, we offer 46, 40 to 46 pieces of data at the front end, but there's another 150 at the back end. So we've, we've built the models to sort of sift through the data and find out what's most sensitive to the clinician's diagnosis, whether it be a concussion, whether it maybe is a fatigue issue, whether it's a Parkinson's maybe issue. You know, there's many neurological diseases we can look at over time. 
We've also noticed that there's issues around age um, as the young brain is developing. Um, they're more susceptible to head knocks and how their brain develops later um, without giving away what, what the data is telling us, but it's getting there. And um, the gender, male and female. And we're now even starting to focus on specific regions. Um, is a American child at 12 to 14 different to a South African child at 12 to 14, et cetera? So these are things that the AI machine learning piece will help us develop. When we're ready to launch, we will attach it to the product and allow our customers to enjoy that benefit as well. That's cool. That's 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 really innovative uh, technology. That's awesome. I'm curious in America how how have you as American football programs you know because that's as you know very well that's that's kind of concussions the big you know health topic in you know college and college football the NFL. I'm curious how how has that been uh, received uh, as well. So our biggest um, clients at the moment in America have been with the colleges themselves. Um, and that we've got clients in California and Florida, et cetera, and um, in, in Atlanta, um, more specifically with um, a concussion um, specialist clinic. Um, we've spoken to the NFL. Uh, the NFL are waiting for the World Rugby trial to come out before they re-engage with us. They want more data, more science, more information, which is fair enough. Um, so we continue to focus on the colleges and not only are they looking at the NFL athletes, uh, women's soccer is the second biggest cause of concussions in America uh, because one, there's large numbers, I suppose. That's one reason. Then you've got other sports like basketball. Lacrosse is a big, heavy contact sport, ice hockey. So we try to play across all sports. That's why the colleges are really good for us because it gives us a wide diversity of sports to work with. That's really cool. Um, and I get, I guess with working with universities, you know, how is that like, you know, what goes into that? Are you, are you getting on board with the athletic directors and then is it the health professionals also at the university? And, and obviously I'm sure like the coaches and teams, I guess what, who are all the the people kind of with getting a product? I think that's kind of unique is getting a health tech product integrated into like a university uh, system. Yeah, so what, what's been fascinating about our university approach, there's usually one champion within the university that um, brings all the different um, you know, departments together. Uh, we recognise, albeit Australian who grew up in America, how huge these universities are and how you do have to get a lot of people on side before you activate off a product like Neuroflex. So we've enjoyed working with some very um, impressive professors who have taken it upon themselves to make this happen. Uh, they've rolled their sleeves up. They've done the baseline. They've been side of pitch. They've done the follow-ups, et cetera. And um, the second point is that the American university system, there are other products of ours that have been around America. This is not the first product that's been presented to America. Uh, so we have to differentiate ourselves and that takes time and, and what we're really waiting for is a lot of those peer-reviewed studies to come through uh, to then show them to the greater, wider community in America and give us most probably more credibility than the early adopters give us at the moment. That's really interesting. Um, 
you know, as as a as a you know new and up and coming company, you know, I'm sure funding is always something that's that's always on everybody's mind. I guess how wh- how have you guys you know funded this company? Has it just been something you funded yourselves, or have you sought outside investment? I guess, and what stage are you at with that? So, and um, we call it the family and friends. So, um, myself and my brothers and family are funding it with a couple of friends that we've always done um, you know transactions with. So we, we, we continue to fund it from a family and friends round. However, in about six weeks to two months time post the American summer, we're going to be going out with calling it a, a pre-series B round, if you'd like to call that, where we want to really take the product to the next level. We recognize that the validation of the product is there. The contracts are there the clients um, that we've got working with us and the way they look at the product is there. Now we can package it all up and start presenting it to the investment market. Um, that's our intention. And in, in, if any of your listeners um, uh, are interested, that's that's what our timing is for that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for providing that. Uh, and I'm curious, kind of, kind of going off that a little bit, what's your, you know, you guys have had great success so far. You, you're integrated into the, you know, the rugby you know, network in, in Australia, which, you know, I, I, I'm vaguely familiar with that the, the rugby's, you know, is, is a huge, huge deal there in Australia, <laughs> which is awesome. So kudos to you guys. And then with some of the other leagues you're involved with, um, I guess, where are you trying to go in the next like six to 12 months or so as you kind of get ready for that, you know, fundraise, like you were talking about, and just even just internally, what your guys goals are and milestones you're trying to hit over the next, you know, near future here. Yeah, so we're, we're approaching the market in two ways where we, we, we will continue to service and look after the elites, but we really want to focus on the bottom-up approach. Um, and if you look at some of the numbers, whether it be in America, whether it be in the UK, Europe, whether it be in Australia, that the grassroots numbers are huge. Um, and there are various countries that are taking various initiatives to look after the grassroots amateur weekend warrior out there playing their sport the second thing i think we realize although we are very focused on concussion because i believe where we can make a difference um that you know sport is not the only cause of concussion globally there are other you know issues like falling over car crashes other things that cause concussion so we want to be at the forefront of concussion but we can't stand still we have to continue to look at other neurological diseases that a vestibular oculomotor reflex screening product can pick up for the clinician. And we continue to do work in the aged care sector behind the scene around falls risk and dementia. We continue to work in the fatigue area around sleep fatigue, roadside fatigue. Um, so that's the that's the beauty of a product like this. You can set yourself up nicely for being in concussion, but you've got to keep moving with the, the times around other neurological diseases. So that's in a nutshell our strategy. That's really cool. That's really interesting, and especially the you touched on uh, just now the dizziness and kind of the uh, vestibular you know system. And I'm curious, you know, how the how what's kind of been some of the feedback you've gotten from some of the ENTs? Because I, as a radiologist, I couldn't tell you how many times I read CT scans for patients who come in with with dizziness into the ER, and thankfully a lot of them are normal. But you know, it's I feel like they're in some ways this you know these patients. Yeah, your CT is negative, but then what next? Like what? You know, I feel like something like this could really help uh, guide the the diagnosis and treatment for those patients. That's right. So, as always, with um, every um, industry you work with, everybody's got ideas of 
how we can make it better. So we're engaged with the autology, the ENT community. And one thing that they've come up with, which we're working on at the moment of building, is that they do a calorific test where they pour water into the ear and watch how the eyes react. So we're going to be now producing a product that can pick up your nystagmus and your saccadic eye movements by doing that test. Right now, we do a free form where you, the, the, the doctor will push the patient's head down quickly and watch how the eyes react and do the slip and catch up. So th this is what excited, excites us about the American market, that the, the doctors and the physicians are very engaged with us about how we can improve the product. So we're, we're doing that as we speak. Also, the clinical trials that we're conducting around you know, dementia and Parkinson's, et cetera, uh, is, is very longitudinal uh, because you've got to watch it over time to see if you can get ahead of the game, get, you know, do some pre-diagnosis pre with data. So that's another thing. And then the, finally, there's drug pharmaceutical companies that are working with on MND, we're working with on dementia, that want to trial their drug and then use neuroflexes as a quick and dirty to see if there's any changes in the neurological function. So we're always um, open to those concepts and ideas. It's very cool. Very exciting. I mean, it's you guys are on the forefront of a lot of innovative things with this. This is it's really, really exciting to hear about. As we close out here, I just want to give you a chance to, what's the best way people can learn more about Neuroflex, learn more about what you guys are working on and, and connect with you, Granville, as well? Yeah, so we have um, we have obviously a website. Um, neuroflex.io uh, we have um, teams in Australia, South Africa Canada, US uh, our, we have a partner in Japan, uh, we just launched in the, uh, a partnership in the UK so we're very happy to hear from those globally the product is in English but however because it's from Montreal it's got to also be in French and we're building a Japanese product um, and other nationalities behind it so we don't see, um, you know, the global ability of this product to be a barrier uh, to us. It's really about people reaching out to us. Uh, as I said, my name is Grenville, G-R-E-N-V-I-L-L-E, and I'm Grenville at Neuroflex.io. So I'd be, love to hear from anybody to hear more about what we're doing. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of a really busy schedule. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this, um, and I'll, I hope to speak with you again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DaVinci Hour podcast presented by DaVinci Academy. Please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow the podcast on your podcast platform of choice to catch the latest episodes. Please leave a comment or a review and share it with a friend. Lastly, you can find all of our podcasts, video courses, and books on our website, dviacademy.com. Thank you for listening.